What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Doing that, I was face-to-face with it. It was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is uncomfortable. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I'm your host. Eric Salaji. First off, I want to wish everyone a very happy and healthy new year. I hope your holiday weekends were wonderful and extended and found you all healthy and happy. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. The world wants to hear your experiences. So, please get a hold of me and let's tell yours on a new future episode of Uncomfortable. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. And please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. That's the main way that you can help get this show out in front of more people. And with more people listening, that means more people coming forward with their experiences. Also... For those of you who might be looking for a little bit of a change, please head over to Uncomfortable Podcast on YouTube and hit subscribe and the notification bell. That way you will be made aware every time I upload a new video version of this podcast. If you're interested in helping support the show, head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortablepodcast770 and check out the three different levels we have there for you. Or... If a standalone contribution is more to your liking, you can also do that as well through Red Circle's Sponsor This Podcast. The links for both of those will be in the show notes below. September 14th, 2024 is the date for Bigfoot and Brews and Spirits 2. Again, being held within the confines of Sister Lakes Brewing Company in Dwajak, Michigan. The 2024 event will be a Bigfoot and Brews and Spirits being added to the venue 
On the Bigfoot side of things, we've already secured Ohio's Amy Boo from Project Zoo Book and the Olympic Project out in Washington. And on the paranormal side of things, our guest speaker is going to be listener favorite, the Archbishop Christina Rake. I am in talks with several other presenters. I have even talked with Scott Tompkins from the Bigfoot Mapping Project. Uh, he seems to be interested. I will make you aware. I am hoping to have the lineup solidified by the end of January and tickets on sale pretty soon after that. I would definitely start to look to see announcements uh, coming your way in February. So stay tuned for more info. As for tonight's show, I thought I would give you guys a little bit of a peek behind some of the emails that I get from people who don't really want to be recorded but are happy to have their experiences shared. I have a couple of interesting ones here for you, and then uh, I may share a couple that you may get a bit of a chuckle out of. God knows I did. So, if you're ready, let's get into it. First off, we'll hear from Keith. And before I get too far into it, let me just say that as far as this email is concerned, I am in contact with Keith, and we are actively trying to get a date together with him and his brother to record and dig into their experience. Keith writes, Let me tell you what happened while my brother and I were out hunting in the Glen Arbor area of Michigan. Like most people say, I grew up hunting and spent a ton of time in the woods as a kiddo. Never once did I think about anything Sasquatch or anything besides looking for deer and other animals. No strange experiences that I can remember as a kiddo. Well, this year, I have obviously been listening to your show and have been telling everyone I know about it. Keith, thank you so much for that. I know a ton of hunters have asked them all about Squatch, but nobody really believes in it or has seen anything that would be Squatch related. So I am telling my brother all about this signs I have heard about on the show and we should keep an eye and ear open for them. We hunt near the body of water of Glen Lake just across the road from Inspiration Point. My dad has his own blind and my brother and I sit in a blind together. Walking to our blinds on the first day, we saw some very large canine prints headed down the two-track. I have photos, and they seem to be of a wolf. They say there are no wolves down here, but I have the pics, and it would have to be a very large dog or coyote that made these tracks. First day in the woods, we don't see anything and no strangeness except for a squirrel making some odd noises. I could see the squirrel, so I knew the noises were coming from him, even though I had not heard a squirrel barking like that before. The second day in the woods was when we had four different experiences. First, we hear some crows cawing that sounded a lot like someone trying to sound like how a crow sounds, if that makes any sense. Hard to explain it over email, but it didn't just sound like a crow sounded more like you and I trying to sound like a crow. This happened for a while, and my brother looked at me and was like, do you hear that crow? 
The second thing was a tree knock. Off to our right, there was a very loud wood-on-wood noise. And instantly, my brother, who only knows what I've told him about things I've heard on your show, looks at me and goes, that's a tree knock. I was like, I believe that was. That was the only tree knock we heard, and it was pretty far from us, but it was pretty obvious that it wasn't a tree falling down or anything of that sort. The third thing that happened was very odd. Right in front of us, suddenly, we heard claws either going up or down a tree. I thought it sounded like it was uh, coming down the tree. You could almost feel it. It felt pretty big, and I was like, shit, there must be a bear right in front of us. You know, the sound of claws on the tr- side of a tree, and it was that, <coughs> hopefully I read that right, claw noises not too far in front of us. I actually stuck my head out of the tent to see if I could see the bear or whatever it was coming down the tree, but saw nothing. It was kind of spooky, but we also had two rifles in the tent, so we weren't thinking we were in any trouble. We did not hear that animal on the ground or hear it again at all. I don't know what the animal was, but it was not a raccoon or a possum making up those claw noises. It was bigger than that. After we settled down and realized we don't seem to have a bear in the area, all goes back to normal. While we were sitting there, something smacks the side of the tent that I'm closest to. Absolutely scares the shit out of me and my brother. Just a loud bang and then nothing. I said to my bro, something just threw something at the tent. I looked outside the window and did not see anything out of the ordinary. Parentheses, I was looking for a rock or a large stick. The tent is one of those pop-up tents where you push out from the middle to lock the sides and top in place. This could have been one of the rods breaking loose, but nothing like that happened, and we had just been sitting in this blind for about 16 hours over the week so far. I most likely wouldn't have thought anything of these instances before, but after having listened to all of the folks on your show, I would say I was more open to what was happening. All four of these things happened on the same day, and my bro and I said the same thing after the experiences. It could have just been a crow. Might have just been the wind or something knocking trees together. Maybe it was a bear or a bobcat climbing in front of us. And maybe the tent had a malfunction. But also, maybe not. I sent Jake, my son, a message that night and told him all about the weird stuff we just experienced. And he told me to get in touch with you. He also looked up Bigfoot activity in that area and said there have been several reports. So, here is what my brother and I experienced. Not sure it would be enough to get through an episode, but wanted to at least send it along. Let me know if you have any questions. Thanks, Keith. Well, as far as his message to Jake, my son, Jake was not wrong. There have been several reports in that area, and if you happen to have seen my episode I did with Scott Tompkins from the Bigfoot Mapping Project. If you go to the website for the Mapping Project itself, there are several filters that you can turn on and off. And when you turn on the filter that shows the heavily traveled corridors for uh, large animals in that area of Glen Lake, there are several. So it does not surprise me 
that you would have had uh, at least the peripheral effects of being around these. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to put together a show with Keith and his brother here shortly and dig into the experiences a little bit more. Next, we have an email from Jeff. Jeff writes, Hi, Eric. I stumbled on your podcast a bit ago and have been listening nonstop through the workday ever since. Hearing of your interest in Sasquatch, I wanted to submit my encounter from decades ago to see if you've heard anything similar regarding the behavior of the one we saw. This took place in Washington State, North Cascades. On June 28, 1980, my buddy Reed and I were, were hiking up Mount Pew, elevation of 7,224 feet, for the umpteenth time, being one of our favorite climbs. When we arrived at the trailhead at 1,920 feet, we were, the, we were the only ones there. To describe the hike, the trail moves up through dense rainforest-like woods and climbs steadily for about five miles before emerging from the trees into a boulder-strewn alpine cirque that we always called the avalanche dump. From there, a steep switchback winds up to a notch named Sujak Pass at 5,720 feet. Above the pass is a trail that follows a very exposed ridge to the summit pyramid. The views are amazing, however, that day we had low clouds and fog. Also, going up through the avalanche dump, we saw a couple of marmots and a herd of mountain goats with little ones, which may have been significant. The small summit is conveniently flat and sandy with just about enough room for a pitched tent. We had no tent, but ate lunch there and both slept for a few minutes before heading back down. The descent was uneventful till we were halfway down the avalanche dump where we stopped and took our backpacks off to drink or drink some water or something. I happened to turn and look back up at Stujak Pass, where we had just been a few minutes earlier, and saw some movement from something just below the other side of the pass. The something then stood up and looked down at us. I turned to Reed and said, What's that figure up in the pass? Neither of us spoke as we watched the human-like form which was silhouetted against the gray clouds. It stood still while looking down at us, then began waving its long arms back and forth above its head like it was flagging down a car. I remember thinking about taking a shot, but my camera was in my pack with a wide-angle lens on it, so I would have had to have changed lenses. Also, I didn't want to take my eyes off this thing, so no photo. It would flap its arms a few times, stop a second, and flap again. Soon the low clouds moved in and covered it. The sighting lasted maybe 25 seconds. We didn't say much as we continued down the mountain. I think we were waiting to see if there were other cars at the trailhead, which would have meant it could have been a person we had somehow missed on the, on the trail. On the way down, we passed one guy heading up the trail, and when we got to our car, there was only one other vehicle, his. This ruled out it being a person. We were three to 400 yards away from it, and I don't think it knew we were there until it rose and saw us standing below. We weren't moving when it spotted us, so it likely didn't know if we were going up or down the slope. In human terms, the emphatic waving of the arms could either mean, hey, up here, I need some help, or as in herding livestock, turn around, go the other way. A person needing help 
would have shouted down to us, not stood there flapping their arms. This individual clearly wanted us to go and get out of there. Not sure what it was doing way up there. It may have been hunting the goats that we saw earlier or the marmots. Regardless, I'm glad we saw it after passing the position rather than us coming down from the upper mountain to meet it at the pass. A few minutes made all the difference. My question is, have you ever heard of other accounts of this behavior? The flapping of the arms as if to warn anyone off. Thanks for your time. Keep up the great work, Jeff. So, uh, great story. And uh, I'll, I'll share my response with him. Jeff, wow, what a cool story. I do recall hearing that type of behavior, and I wish I could tell you where it was, but it's nearly impossible for me to recall. My guess is it was either on Sasquatch Chronicles or possibly in one of the emails that Steve Istall reads on his howtohunt.com YouTube channel. Many times we hear of rock throwing, screams, and bluff charges as an act of intimidation when in close proximity. But in your case, being several hundred yards away, it would make sense that the waving of arms, clearly an effort to appear bigger than it really is, was a way to get your attention and dissuade you from coming towards it. Humans are encouraged to do the same thing and make loud noises as well when faced with imminent contact with a large predator. Now the question that interests me is why? Now the question that interests me is why? Perhaps hunting a food source, Perhaps it was a sentinel protecting a birthing area, or perhaps an attempt to keep you from getting too close and drawing the attention of an adult male who generally seems to exhibit more aggressive behavior. Thanks so much for sharing. That was a, that was a great story. Um, you know, not a, lot of, not a lot of detail, but I mean, pretty consistent with what you would think you, you could gather in, in about 25 seconds or so. Um, I did extend an invitation for him to come on and talk about it. He politely declined. Um, but, but thank you so much for, uh, sharing that with us. Next up, uh, this one is from Kurt and in the subject line, it said terrifying encounter with a possible dog man in Michigan's Gogebic County. Now, for those of you who don't know, Gogebic County is about the furthest most uh, western county in the upper peninsula of Michigan. He says, hey, Eric, I hope this email finds you well. My name is Kurt, and I've been an avid listener of your podcast for quite some time now. I couldn't help but want to share this absolutely mind-bending experience I had during a hunting trip in the upper peninsula of Michigan in early November of 2020. It was early November morning when my buddy Mike and I set out on our annual three-day hunting weekend. Yearly, we hunted the dense woods of a remote location known for its abundant wildlife and an area off the beaten path where we have had a lot of success harvesting trophy bucks in the past. As the sun dipped below the trees, we finished setting up our blinds and got our camp prepared for a long night ahead. It wasn't long before we started to take note of some strangeness around camp. Like I've said, we've hunted that area enough over the years and knew the type of wildlife there well. We were both perplexed by the loud howls that we heard in the distance. They seemed far enough away, but they were powerful. 
we were kind of confused and kept going back and forth on whether or not they were closer or further away. Whether the terrain was effing with the sounds or maybe there were more than one. Definitely not yippy coyotes and more robust than any wolves or dogs we've ever heard before. Around 9 p.m., we were startled by some rattling, guttural growls echoing through the camp. At first, we brushed it off as a bear looking to fatten up before the snow hit. But then howls started again, and they seemed much closer this time. It was some real hair-on-the-back-of-your-neck-standing-up type shit for sure. Mike lives in the area, and he was adamant that the howls were nothing that he had ever heard before. Just about every other house up that way has a Bigfoot cutout in their yard, so we kind of half-joked that it might be Bigfoot. Curiosity mixed with a little fear, we decided to go try to find out what was making the growls or howls. Armed with flashlights and a partial moon, and each of us with bolt-action 450s, I remember our boots crunching on the leaf litter as it was incredibly loud, but I think that was because everything else was so quiet. No sounds, just stillness. We didn't get really that far when Mike waved his flashlight back towards the camp and motioned with his head the same way, like to say, let's go back. We started back the way we came, and then from behind us, we heard a loud snap like a branch breaking, but it was close. We both turned with our lights toward the sound, and there it was, partially sticking out from behind a tree, standing on two legs. It was tall. It was big. As soon as our lights hit it, I saw yellow eyes and heard Mike yell, Go, go, go! While we sprinted back to the camp, the howls intensified, but definitely seemed to be like they were getting further away. I scrambled to pack up camp. Mike killed the campfire and kept watch. Oddly, I don't remember any talking. We hustled out about a quarter of a mile to the clearing where the truck was visible in the moonlight. We heard two more distant howls, but they were way off distant now. In the truck, we talked about what we saw. Mike remembers it having weirdly skinny legs for as big as it was, and maybe it was the shadows, but it looked to have a long snout to me. We definitely both remember yellow eyes when the light hit it. Mike said it had lighter spots on it, but wasn't sure if it was lighter hair or skin showing through. It just seemed very dark in color to me. We both guessed it to have been about 10 yards away. Mike only hunts his property now, and I've since transferred jobs to Chicago, so I don't even get out of the city anymore. We've talked about it twice since it happened. We had both heard of Bigfoot like everybody, but I didn't know a thing about there being anything like a dogman. Mike sticks with it being a Bigfoot, but I've never been able to shake thinking I saw a long nose on it. Mike seems like he wants to forget about it, and I've poured over as many podcasts and videos as I can trying to figure it out, and I've had to settle on it being a dogman. Please feel free to share this any way you like. Stay curious and keep up the great work on the podcast. Now, it's a very interesting story. Creepy as hell. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I do have to say, though, when I tried to reply to this email to have further conversation with him, um, it was through Proton Mail, by the way. Uh, it immediately kicked back as undeliverable for whatever reason. 
and whatever that's worth. I don't, uh, I don't know. The Eufy Video Lock takes the place of separate smart locks, security cameras, and doorbells all in one simple to install unit. A Phillips screwdriver was all I needed. The Eufy 330 Video Lock took me 20 minutes to install and there is no hard wiring necessary as it's powered by a 4 month rechargeable 10,000 mAh battery. The Eufy Video Locks are complete with fingerprint technology, passcode entry, physical keys, and free local storage for crystal clear 2K video. There is absolutely no contract nor the need for costly monthly monitoring subscriptions. The free Wi-Fi driven iOS and Android compatible apps let you have full control over your new Eufy video lock system in just a few clicks. Convenience and security are extremely important and the Eufy video lock delivers on both. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y video lock because as the host of uncomfortable podcast you just never know who or what will wind up at your front door visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock and get yours now that's eufy e-u-f-y What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Now, that brings us to a couple that are just too hard to wrap my head around. Now, one is just plain sick, but legitimate, and it checks out under further scrutiny. Uh, I did actually dive into this gentleman, and uh, um, it is uh, it's a thing. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I may have talked about this a little bit on our Discord, uh, but I don't think I've ever covered it in an actual uh, episode. So the other is simply and utterly absolutely too hard to believe. So uh, let's get into the first one. And this, is, this one is, is a bit more on the, uh, the sick side. This one uh, comes from a gentleman named Malcolm Brenner. And uh, here we go. Dear Eric. I've listened to a couple of episodes of your paranormal show, Uncomfortable, and I'd like to say I would like to be interviewed as a guest. What you ask are my qualifications. How about dot, dot, dot. Author of the human dolphin romantic novel, Wet Goddess. Recollections of a dolphin lover. Based on my own experience as a college student 50 plus years ago. I since published it in 2010, and it sold more than 2,500 copies in 18 countries. So it's only taken me 13 years to become an overnight success. It's also been translated into Russian. I'm the subject of Dolphin Lover, a 2015 award-winning short documentary made by two guys from Miami. Provided the link. I'll spare you guys the link which got its own publicity uh, with 1.1 million views on YouTube. Now, 
Uh, I, I did look him up. I did find that he was on uh, Howard Stern's show and a couple of other uh, uh, questionable shows. Um, but indeed, he does claim that he has had a uh, six or seven month long sexual uh, love affair with a dolphin down in Miami uh, while he was in college. Uh, the dolphin's name, I believe, was Dottie. And uh, according to him, unfortunately, after they broke it off, uh, Dottie passed away shortly after, apparently, of a broken heart. Um, now, being listeners of this show, I think you'll all uh, agree with me that uh, that that kind of behavior with an animal is... Uh, uh, sick beyond uh, I don't even know what uh, he goes on to say um, and, and that primarily is the reason that this was a absolute hard no for me as far as having him on the channel uh, he goes on to say as a small child I suffered a terrifying painful and invasive orgone therapy inflicted by a close associate of the doctor of, of the late Dr. Wilhelm Reich an Austrian psychiatrist, Reich was the 20th century's maddest mad scientist. My family's devotion to him caused me untold grief and warped my social development for decades. It's also the subject of my second book, a memoir titled Growing Up in the Oregon Box, uh, Secrets of a Reichian Childhood. Presently available an e uh, presently available as an ebook from I'll spare you. Uh, my childhood was just as strange and as alienating as any religious cult. My second marriage took an unexpected twist when two weeks before our wedding, my fiance recalled an alien contact experience sixteen months sixteen years before, or was it? Question mark. The USAF confirmed a bulldog had exploded over Cheyenne, Wyoming that night, but my wife's memories were mixed with intense fear that she might be disappeared by our government. Despite everything I could do as an investigative reporter to find out, I was never able to prove her experience or disprove it. She said I could write a book about it if I made it fiction, so I wrote Mel Kylor, Clyhor, Mel Clyhor, an interstellar affair after the divorce was final. Uh, there's a review that's attached, and it was not very good. In the 1990s, I spent seven years reporting on the Navajo Nation and Zuni Pueblo for a border town newspaper in New Mexico. I lived for 14 months in Shiprock, a major reservation town, and afterwards purchased a home in Gallup with my second wife. During this time, I developed a great respect for the traditions and beliefs of the Navajo people, while at the same time tracking down elusive skinwalkers, lost children, UFO sightings, and stealth F-117 fighter crashes, among less sensational things. I graduated from New College of Florida, Progressive Liberal Arts School, which are, and then he just gets into some political rhetoric. Um, so uh, he goes on to talk about uh, uh, having a degree in communications and a lot of extracurricular experience with pot, LSD, and shrooms. Uh, 
The first is proven an, an expensive, useful trifle, but the others have been invaluable in establishing my estimation of the world. Um, yes, it's primarily a big tumbling ball of wax, and nobody is in control. yippee ki mother effers. Uh, if this isn't sufficient for a couple of programs, I don't know what to tell you. I guess my life has been inadequate. But if you feel otherwise, I'd like to hear from you. I've been a guest on the Howard Stern Show and Bubba the Love Sponge, among a couple of dozen other radio shows and podcasts. Um, goes on to say, but I have had some recent important insights about my experiences I'd like to share with your listeners and with you. Uh, thanks for your assistance, uh, Michael, or I'm sorry, Malcolm J. Brenner. Um, so, again, I gotta I got to go back to... Obviously, if you listen to this show uh, at all, you will know that that is uh, not at all within the uh, realm of anything that I would have any desire to talk to anybody about. Um, Anyway, and last but not least, this one, ladies and gentlemen, is a doozy. Um, I'm not going to share his last name, but uh, it comes from a gentleman by the name of Robust S. Never heard that name before. Robust. He goes, hello, I have been a big fan of your show since the first episode. My story definitely lines up with your show. My awakening started about a year ago, but kicked up about four months ago. It all began with the shaman episode of Ancient Aliens. I knew I was a shaman before, so I started to meditate. I was told I am a captain, and I serve the universal source energy, the creator of all who watches over all the galaxies in the universe. I was assigned to this planet 14,000 years ago. My star father told me to open a history book and find my past lives. (sighs) He says that he was a samurai twice in Japan. He was also Nero. And in parentheses, he says, last to lead the dogmen. He claims that he was King Leonidas of the 300. Now, If you look historically at the story of King Leonidas and the 300, uh, King Leonidas actually, uh, it's estimated that he took about 7,000 Spartans and and other soldiers to to fight the fight that is chronicled in the movie 300. Um, So you would think he would have not referenced of the 300 um, because that's literally just referencing a movie Um, he says he also sat second to the right from king arthur uh, if i'm correct uh, with my knights of the round table placement that would make him lancelot he also claims that he was a grandmaster of the knight templar and he spells it n-i-g-h-t um Anything that I've ever known of or read of the Knights Templar, 
uh, Knights is spelled K-N-I-G-H-T-S. He also claims that he was 18 rabbits king and a shaman in Guardian of the Moon. I don't know what that is, and I did not have enough energy to even want to try and look it up. Uh, also claims that he was General Richard Montgomery during the Revolutionary War. Claims that he was Robert Johnson, the godfather of the Delta Blues, who, if my lore is correct, uh, I believe was uh, rumored to have made a deal with the devil to become a better blues guitarist. He also claims that he was Egnar Engar Casey, the psychic known as Alabama's Sleeping Prophet. Um, also wrote a number of books or had books written about him. Um, he also claims that he was both Blackbeard and Black Samuel, who were both legendary pirates. Uh, claims that he split his energy between the two literally at the same time. These two pirates literally lived at the same time. Uh, he goes on to say, "All I know is I am a powerful. Uh, I am a par- power. <laughs> All I know is I am a powerful starseed. My higher self comes from another planet. He was born from a flameless fire, two point eight million years ago. In this life, I am a humble man and a shadow walker. I have the ability to manipulate energy, work with both light and dark energy." Also, am a strong astral traveler, and my abilities are limitless in the astral plane. My ultimate warrior can take on anything and has defended stronger energy than myself. I was told by both my source energy and Hades, or maybe that's supposed to be Hades, that I am free, that I am to free trapped souls and send the dark back to be judged so far i've killed 30 or so young demons and freed 15 trapped ones i can i can form energy balls filled with my intent break spells hexes cures i think maybe he means curses and attachments claims that he can talk to archangel ain't (laughs) talk to arch archangels and fallen angels and recently had visitors from the conjuring house in parentheses she knows i'm coming for her and then below that it says the demon from the second movie phallic f-a-l-e-k now if that's supposed to be referencing the conjuring movies that demon was known as valak not phallic phallic is a phallic symbol but anyway uh the first known appearance of valak valak the true valak uh was from a 17th century grimoire titled uh, the lesser key of solomon and it was not a possessed nun like in the movie um valak was actually portrayed as being a young boy who rides a two-headed dragon um 
he also claims that he's been visited by the demon from the demon house documentary uh this is actually the second person that i've heard who has had a conversation with said demon house demon if you uh if you go way back and revisit my episode called the demon seer she that uh, that guest she also claimed to have had a conversation with the very same demon on behalf of the ghost adventures alum zach baggins uh claims that he had a very interesting talk with robert the doll has met with the leader of shadow people um then he also has written down there the slender man s-l-i-n-d-e-r slender man um my guess is that's a incorrect spelling and he probably means the slender man which uh is is kind of more of a creepypasta type thing that doesn't really have any historical background to it he claims that he knows the truth behind religion and what the end purpose of aliens dot 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 and it's not to rule humanity also when this all started i was told that when my light is on they will return for me so with that being said i'm not sure how much longer i will be here Star seeds can go home if they want, and I want off this rock. But I have a message to give to humanity. Thank care, Captain M. Thank care, Captain M. I don't get that. But, as you can see... I get very good legitimate emails from people who seem to have had some unusual experiences um, and they just don't feel comfortable talking about it. But then you have some people who are like these last two who are actively seeking as much attention as they can get and with these wildly, wildly crazy uh, stories. I mean, if if it's true that the gentleman was was having a sexual relationship with a dolphin, um, I, he should be in prison. Uh, hands down, there is no call for that. And uh, quite frankly, I, I don't want people like that walking around in our general public. And then uh, Captain Captain M here at the end. Um, I don't, even, I don't even know what to say about that other than if I ever do look into past lives or have any kind of regressive therapy to find out what my past lives were, I could only hope that uh, I, I, would, I would garner a list of such famous and well-known people uh, as, as this gentleman did. So I hope you enjoyed this. I know it's a little bit different than... Uh, a normal show, but uh, I thought they were worth sharing, and hopefully you enjoyed it and, and at least got a, a bit of a laugh out of the last couple. So we'll see you next time. I have a couple of great un- interviews coming up here shortly. I know it's been a little bit of sporadic, uh, a little more sporadic than normal, but I think that's uh, to be attributed from uh, the holiday season. So we're getting back on track and nothing but good things coming for us in 2024. 
Have a great night. Thank you. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.